Good morning again. If you would turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 8. Romans 8 will be our text this morning. Before we get there, I want to tell you a little bit about a man uh, that I think the world of. Okay, that, that man in that picture is Dr. Mendeloff. Um, and the baby there is Luke when he was just a wee little man. Uh, this man, Dr. Mendeloff, uh, performed three different open heart surgeries on Luke. Uh, he's performed several other surgeries on Luke as well. Uh, the, one of the more notable surgeries he performed on Luke was right after one of his open heart surgeries, Luke crashed while he was in his ICU room. And Dr. Mendeloff just happened to still be on the floor when Luke crashed. And Dr. Mendeloff came into Luke's ICU room, did an emergency surgery in the room right there that saved Luke's life. And if he hadn't been on the floor at that moment, Luke would not be here with us. Okay, I tell you all of that to say, I think the world of this man. Okay? A couple different times, he has saved my kid. And so I want you to imagine for a moment uh, that Dr. Mendeloff called me tomorrow. And he said, David, I need to ask you a favor. I would like for you to come out to Dallas and help me with a project. Do you think that I would tell him, you know what, doctor, I got a lot on my plate this week. I'm pretty busy. It would be really inconvenient. I'd have to go all the way downtown, get on a plane. Get, it would take me half a day just to get to Dallas. I, I just don't know if I can do that or not. Okay, or do you think I would drop anything and everything that I had going on in my life and rejoice at the opportunity to help that man with anything? Okay, why? Because I owe him. Okay? He saved my kid. He brought life to my family. I would do anything that that man asked me to do. All right, listen to the first part of our text this morning. Romans 8, starting in verse 12. He says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. Okay, other translations do that differently. Some translations will call that a debt instead of an obligation, which is probably a better word, okay? And that means we owe God because of the life that he has given to us. We have a debt to our God. He goes on, he says, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. We have a debt to him who brought us life. You know, in this section of Romans 8, uh, just prior to this text, the one that we talked about last week, we learned that because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, we now have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of us. Okay, you and I are temples of God Almighty. Okay, this is radical. This is monumental. In the past, if you wanted to come close to the presence of God, you had to go to the temple or the tabernacle because that's where God was. But now, because of the work of Jesus, the presence of God literally dwells inside of us. The gift of the Spirit is the greatest gift ever given. Okay, it's the story of the gospel. We deserved death, but instead we got life because of God, because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son to die for you. Therefore, verse 12, we have a debt. We have an obligation. 
We have a responsibility to God. And what's our responsibility? It's to live as if the Spirit of God is dwelling inside of us. All right, if you're taking notes, the first thing to note this morning is that we have a debt to live by the Spirit. You know, one of the ways that, that politicians and, and commercials on TV and just people in general will try to manipulate us is by offering false choices. Okay, you'll watch a car commercial and they say, well, are you going to buy our car or do you not really care about the safety of your family? Like, well, if those are my choices, then sure, I'm buying your car, but it's a false choice. Okay, politicians do this to us all the time, right? Are you going to vote for me or do you hate the earth? Are you going to vote for me or do you not like poor people? Are you going to vote for me or do you want the economy to go down the toilet, right? Politicians do that. They give us choices. They give us a false choice trying to force us to choose them. This is how peer pressure works too, right? When you're growing up, maybe you had a group of friends that said, are you going to go to the party with us and get wasted or do you want to be a loser? Well, if those are my two choices, right, it's a false choice. Okay, well, one of the false choices that often appears amongst people studying Scripture is the false choice between living by grace or living a holy life. Okay, are we supposed to believe in living a righteous life or do we believe that we're saved by grace? Are we supposed to try hard and put forth effort to live like Jesus and diligently work hard at kingdom living? Or are we supposed to just rest in the peace and security that Jesus has already saved us by his perfection? I think it's a false choice. I think Paul tells us that God has put us into a right relationship with him because of the work of Jesus and the spirit that now lives inside of us. And so now we are obligated, we are debted to live a life in harmony with that spirit. Okay, we don't choose one or the other. We live righteous lives and we're saved by the faithfulness of Jesus. I think it has to be both. Okay. So notice where he goes with this. Start verse 14. He says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. All right, and this is where I think Paul has been building for this entire text of Romans 8. I think Paul, starting in 8.1, has been building to this point where he can finally tell us that because Jesus died and rose again, because we have the Spirit living inside of us, and because we recognize that we are in debt to God, we now have the amazing privilege, we have the awesome responsibility of being sons of God. If you write one thing down for my sermon this morning, make it be this, that we are sons of God. And there are many implications for what that means. We could do an entire sermon series on just what all does it mean that you and I are sons of God. But I want us to look at three things that Paul says specifically in these few verses about what it means for us to be children of God. And the first one is this, A, is that we get to inherit from God. 
Notice the first part of 17. He says, now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Okay, and this is why it's important for us to say that we are sons of God and why he says we are adopted to sonship and not just the generic children of God. Okay, that sounds somewhat sexist to us, and in their world it was pretty sexist, but in Paul's world, daughters don't inherit. Okay, daughters will marry into another family and become someone else's responsibility. Okay, but you and I, whether you're a man or a woman, are sons of of God, because sons get to share in everything that the father has. Okay, the son gets the land of his father. The son gets the title that his father had. The son gets the same position in the community that his father had. You know, in our culture, we have stories of people who grew up poor or unimportant, okay, and they worked their way up. They became a CEO or a president or some amazing athlete or whatever. You know, through hard work or skill or dedication, you can move. Right? We have a society that's mobile, where at least it's theoretically possible to make big jumps up or down socially, depending on what you do or how talented you are or, or what dedication you put into it. Okay, in Paul's day in the Roman Empire, with very few exceptions, if you were born at a certain level of society, then you died at that same level in society. Okay, if your daddy was a poor farmer and you were a son, then you were probably going to live your whole life as a poor farmer. Right? One possible exception to that, one way you might be able to get out of the class into which you were born is if you were adopted into a noble family. Okay, for instance, you think back to the story of Moses, right, where baby Moses floats down the river in the basket, okay, and the princess pulls him out of the water. Moses gets adopted into the royal family, and so he doesn't grow up as an Israelite slave. He grows up as a prince of Egypt. Okay, and he had that privilege not because of anything he did. He had that privilege because somebody adopted him. Okay, Paul uses that same imagery saying we were destitute, but we have been adopted as children of our king. Now we get to be sons of God. Whenever I went to Abilene this past week to finish up some schoolwork, uh, I decided to fly into Oklahoma City instead of Dallas. Okay, and I flew to Oklahoma City because my parents live there, and I didn't have to ask anyone to put me up for the night. I could borrow a car. I didn't have to rent a car, and so it made more sense for me to go to Oklahoma City. Okay, and so when I went to Oklahoma City, uh, I didn't ask my parents if I could use their car. I didn't ask if it would be okay for me to sleep at their house. Right? I got home and mom laid out dinner. She made chicken fried steak because she knows it's one of my favorites. Uh, and when she laid all that out, I didn't ask if I could have something to eat. When I first walked into my parents' house, I was thirsty. And so the first thing I did is I walked over to the refrigerator, opened it up, pulled out a Coke, and started drinking it. I didn't ask permission to walk to the refrigerator and get a drink and drink it. Okay, why not? Okay, because I'm their son. I don't ask permission to get a drink from the fridge. I don't ask permission to stay the night at that house. I don't even ask permission to use the car. Okay, because I am their son, I have rights and privileges. My name is not on the deed to that house, but I think of that house 900 miles away from here as my house. Why? Because I'm the son. Okay, if I showed up at your house this afternoon, 
uh, I would not just immediately walk to your refrigerator, open it up, and grab a can of soda. Okay? <laughs> I didn't hear that, but I'm sure it was something snarky. Just knowing where the laughter's coming from and the people in that area. Okay, I would never just presume that I could borrow your car. You know, I would never just borrow stuff from your house because I have no rights to your stuff. Listen to what Paul is saying. Because we are sons of God, we are his. We have rights to his stuff, to his title, to his home. His spirit lives inside of us, and that changes our relationship to all of creation. When the creator himself is literally living inside of you, that changes the way we interact with the entire world around us. All right, number B, letter B. Whatever's next. We get to join Jesus in suffering. Notice the second part of verse 17. He says, If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. And this is really where we're going next week, and we'll hit this harder next week, uh, because Paul will deal with suffering as children of God more extensively. But part of what it means to be sons of God is that we join our brother Jesus in suffering. In fact, when you really start to think about it, uh, the ultimate call of Christianity is to follow me and die. Unless we are willing to join with Jesus in suffering for his kingdom, uh, then we're not really brothers. Uh, Nichelle, she's in the nursery. It's all good. It's all good. My point right now is that we're all family. So, you know, there's one of mine trying to, to get whatever it is that he needs at the moment. Uh, I'm assuming they can handle that, and that'll be all right. I was somewhere. We get to join Jesus in suffering. That's right. You get to join me in all the awkward moments I have up here, so it's all good. Uh, earlier this week, On Tuesday at 9.36 p.m., in the middle of Italy, a 6.2 magnitude earthquake killed over 250 people. I don't know the exact number on that tragedy. They keep changing it. Uh, But if you watched any of the news coverage of this event, you could see them uh, pulling people out of the rubble. Uh, Sometimes it was unlikely survivors. Sometimes it was just people after they had already passed. And I prayed for those people. Um, I know that most of you did as well, right? We see suffering like that on the news. Immediately, our hearts go out to those people. We feel for them, okay? They're suffering. I can't imagine what it would be like to, to all of a sudden have the world literally fall apart beneath you. Okay? That, it's tragic. Okay? And yet, even though I feel empathy for those people, there is a distance that keeps my empathy to only a few moments. And I don't mean to sound callous, okay, but they're on the other side of the world. I don't know any of those people. Right? And I know also that it won't be too terribly long before I turn on the news again and it's the next natural disaster somewhere around the globe or the next act of war that's happened or some terrorist activity. There will be something else in the news in the next few days or weeks or even months that's another tragedy and our hearts will go out again to those people. Okay, and so while I feel empathy for those people, I don't really join them in suffering because they're not my people. 
Okay, that's not my family. I don't know those people. Now, there have been a few occasions in my life, most notably with Luke and with all of the, the stuff that he's gone through, when we were suffering, okay, and we had a family, both biological and our church family, who joined with us in our suffering. Okay, why would they do that? Why would they come and sit with us at the hospital and bring us meals and have special prayer sessions for my kid? Why would those people do that? Okay, well, they did it because we're family. And families rejoice together, and families suffer together. Okay, we join with each other because we are on this journey together. And Paul's main point here in this sinner section of Romans is we join with Jesus in his suffering. We also join with Jesus in his glory. And if we're not ready to walk that road of suffering with Jesus to follow him and die, then we're also not ready to join him in his glory. Does that make sense? Okay, this is just a side note. This part's for free. Okay, but part of what pains me is when people use the church as something that just happens for an hour a week. Okay, if all that church is to you is a place where you go and worship for an hour on Sunday, uh, our doors will always be open and you can certainly do that and we will certainly never um, sit down and scold you for that or anything like that. Okay, but if church is just an hour a week activity for you, then you are cheating yourself out of all of the benefits and the privileges that come from having a church family. Okay. On the, the top of our bulletin, we talk about how we're a loving family, and our church does a great job of that, but it only does a good job of that for the people who have actually made this church their family. Okay. We take care of each other because that's who we are. All right, so in Romans chapter 8, uh, Paul's point is that Jesus gave his entire life to bring about the kingdom of God on earth. And as brothers and sisters, we have the privilege and we have the responsibility of joining with him in suffering for something that's so much bigger than ourselves. Okay, if we join with him in his suffering, we also join with him in his glory. Why? Because he's now our brother. All right, number final C. The final privilege we have because we are sons of God is that we get to call God Father. Notice verse 15. It says, The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. You know that image, Abba, Father, has an intimacy to it. Uh, only the child gets to call his father Abba. You know, I think about my own dad. Lots of people call him Steve or just preacher. Uh, his students at school call him Professor Chisholm or Mr. Chisholm. Uh, but only three people in the entire world call him dad. Why? Because we're the only ones that have that right. Paul says because of the work of Jesus, we get to call God Abba Father. There's an intimacy there that we should be thankful for every day of our lives. There's an intimacy there between God and us that has been bought for us by the blood of Jesus. And we have the awesome privilege of being able to crawl into his lap and call him Abba. We're going to continue our exploration of what it means to be children of God starting next week with an, a greater examination of suffering because Paul does go into that in greater detail. But as we go throughout our week, I want us to take very seriously what it means to be children of God Almighty. 
I want us to take it very seriously as we leave this place, what it means to have the Spirit of God living inside of us, that we represent Him to a world, so often to people around us who don't know God at all. And I hope we take that responsibility very seriously. At this point in our service, we're going to sing a few verses of an invitation song. Uh, during the singing of this song, I will be down front. One of our shepherds will be down front. We would love the opportunity to talk with you or pray with you about anything that's going on in your life. Uh, this song is an invitation to you uh, to share with us whatever it is that's on your heart that you need to share. And before we sing that song, I'd like to speak over us a word of blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you. May the Lord be gracious to you and give you peace.